0: about our fifth value so you you were supposed to see a video but it didn't show up you actually heard what the video was saying uh, but it, it really is something that's so true for all of us, right? Like when we went through our values several years ago as a church and as our elders and some of our staff were in those conversations and we talked about, we all know this value, right? We all know what this value means and what it stands for as Jesus was getting to the end of his ministry and his time on earth and he's about to ascend into heaven. He leaves some instructions for all of us. And, and most of us, if you grew up in the church, you know that. If you grew up in the church, you, you probably have heard about the Great Commission. You've heard about different things at different times and different opportunities about how do we do this thing, right? This thing that we were left with. And so our value is stated, right, that we believe that followers live on mission. That's that's a big word, right? That's a, and honestly, in, in a lot of church circles and a lot of... Um, evangelical circles like the word mission is is so so important for us but it's also becoming such a popular stance like what does it even mean right so think about living on purpose like the things that you do the things that you know the things that as you're living life right what is what does it mean like you're just living on purpose for the purpose of Jesus instead of your own purpose, right? So we believe followers live on mission, so yet we strive to reach the world. And we're going to talk about that value in particular today. Hey, I want to invite you for a moment, right, to grab your phone. And this is rare, but if you have your phone, open up your web browser. I know this sounds crazy. You're like, seriously, you're just going to give me permission to surf the web while I'm right here in... Yep, please do. Open it up. I want you to go to... um, a a particular website now it's it does have ads and I just want to warn you about that but the the website is worldometers.info and I know that sounds crazy but it's actually a scrolling website that will continue to track the population of the world right so I I actually stumbled upon that this week as I was preparing it. it it almost it's it's almost hypnotic. I just want to throw that out there to you. You're going to you're going to open it up and if you're on your computer like it's actually in bigger letters and stuff and so you're or bigger numbers and those numbers just keep moving because it's ta- it's tracking the population as babies are born, right? And then as people pass away and it's like moving all of those parts and just tracking it like in real time. And then here's the reason it's, it's very fascinating. You're going to sit there and go, wow, this is crazy, right? Some of you are just going to sit there and look at that the entire message. That's okay. I hope that as you do, you will, you will have the Lord be stirring in your heart some things as we talk this morning, but here's the reality of it, right? So think of, think of stats, I know some people, you know, some people would say, you know, they don't really like statistics and those types of things, and I totally understand that. But I want to I paint a picture for you this morning of when we talk about reaching the world, what are, what are we talking about? Well, the first thing you've got to realize is that there are 7.91, depending on, of course, the time that you're tracking this, 7.91 billion people in the world. That's billion. That's a lot of zeros. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's a lot of zeros behind that. 7.91 billion people in the world. They're made up of, uh, of what we call people groups. And of those people groups, there are, we, we've identified 17,427 people groups. That's a lot of people groups. 17,427 people groups. Now, get this. There are 7,414 of those people groups that have absolutely no evangelical presence in the world. And here's what that is defined as. There there is no movement of Jesus in that people group at all. There might be maybe like one or two believers, if you could even find them, but there's no movement of the gospel going out into those people groups, right? There's no movement of people sharing the gospel with others in those people groups. In fact, most people that would be in those people groups have never heard of Jesus. They've never heard of Jesus. That means that there are 3.34 billion people in the world who have never heard of Jesus. 3.34 billion people have they've never even had the opportunity to respond to the gospel they're not accepting it they're not rejecting it they've just never even heard of the truth that god loves them and that he sent his one and only son to die on a cross for them they've never even heard those words uttered now as you look at that, you might be sitting there and you might think, "Well, okay, so so what what am I supposed to do? What 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 am I what am I supposed to do?" I, in fact, a long time ago, um, we were we were at um, Epcot in, in Disney World down in Florida, and there was this this one spot on the wall where there's there's this teenager who had basically said words similar to this: "Is like, I may only be one person, but I am one person who can make a big difference." Have you ever heard that statement? Have you ever thought about that statement for you in your life? Because here's the question that I really want you to consider today. And here's the question What role will you play to reach the world for Christ? What role will you play to reach the world for Christ? You might sit there, you might go, well, I just I can't even begin to think about the role that I would play. I, I, I've got my job, and I've got my family, and I've got all of these other things going on. I can't even begin to think about how do I reach the world. And, and some of that's yes, I, I get it, I do understand, because you're thinking of the 3.34 billion people that have never heard of Jesus. You're thinking, yes, along the lines of, well, do I have to pack my bags, or do I have to go to another country, and most of us are going to say, well, no, you don't have to do that. But, but let's just throw it out there and say, but, but what if you decided to do that? What if there was this stirring in your heart that said, you know what, I'll go. I'll do that. I'll raise some support. I'll sell everything I have. And I'll go to wherever it is that you believe the Lord's calling you. What if it is saying yes to that? And most of us would go, oh, I don't think it is. <laughs> but what if it is? You see the reality of it is when we when we say our value and we say we believe that followers live on mission. One of the things that we're saying is that we want to be intentional with how we live our life. And it might mean going somewhere that you're not 100% comfortable. It might mean, yep, Maybe it's not packing your bags, but maybe it's saving up so that you can go on a trip somewhere around the world for the purpose of missions and evangelism. Think of it this way. Turn to your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. Very end. I told you last week that we were going to pick back up in this particular one. We have three places that I want to I talk about today when we talk about this reaching the world, this value that we hold so dear. And in Matthew 28, you, you're probably familiar that in this moment, Jesus really is the very end. And so this is, this is about the time he's gonna, going to ascend into heaven. He's having this conversation. He, he asks for the disciples to meet him, and he's on the mountain, and he's having this conversation with them about what's next. And, you know, the disciples still don't get it, by the way. They still don't completely understand what Jesus is talking about. They they still in some ways, and we're going to talk about that, they still in some ways just kind of go back to what they're thinking and what they've been taught. And they can't really wrap their head around what is this thing that Jesus is commanding us to go and do. And so we get to Matthew 28 and we get to the very end, the last three verses here, 18, 19, and 20. And it says this, And Jesus told his disciples that I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, which is good. Like that's a good thing. Right? When Jesus rose from the dead, like all of a sudden. I mean, that's a game changer. And honestly, it's a game changer for you because that's really what you're building your faith on. Cuz if Jesus had died on the cross but he never rose from the dead, then your faith is useless as the apostle Paul would say. So it's a game changer that he rose from the dead and as he rose from the dead, he's been given all authority, not some, not a little, all. All authority has been given to him and so he's now going to turn his disciples. So put yourself for a moment in the shoes or the sandals of the disciples. And you're hearing these words. And so he says, therefore. Therefore is a statement that's always built on what was said before. And in this case, it's also built on what happened before as Jesus rose from the dead. So since he rose from the dead, and since he has all authority on heaven and on earth, he looks at his disciples and he says, Now I want you to go into all the world, right? I want you to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples, verse 20, to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this that's confidence, right? Be confident of this, that I am with you some of the time. Always. I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. And we look at that, and as churches, we would, we would applaud that. We would go, yes! But as individuals... The question still comes down to what role will you play to reach the world for Christ? Think of it this way, right? If you're filling a blank person. The command is simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't overcomplicate it. Do you guys ever ever overcomplicate stuff? How about if you, uh, you know, we were joking the other day as we were getting ready to launch some of this stuff out to this new campus that we're going, and we had all of the, they had all these moving parts that were all over the place, like just strewn out all over the FLC and the A-frame, and there, it's like it, it's like Christmas. And I looked at them, and I said, you guys ever have the deal with your, I had one with my father-in-law in particular, is that is if you bought Things for my kids at Christmas that required assembly, you needed to put it together, <laughs> right? Because if you ever looked at some instruction books and you're like, this makes absolutely no sense whatsoever, they completely overcomplicated the process. How many of you would prefer to put things together without instructions, just by show of hands? Yeah, I learned my lesson. I don't do that. I actually follow the instructions anymore. But you know what? Sometimes that's what we get to, isn't it? Things are overcomplicated for us. And we have a tendency to overcomplicate them. We make a bigger deal out of it than we should. It's just like, here's what Jesus said. Now let's just get serious about doing what he told us to do. And here's actually what these words mean when you look at it um, in in this context, right? The, The word that he talks about in terms of going, right? So, the word actually means, like, as you are continuing on this journey, that's actually what he's talking about. He's saying, look, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, so what I need you to do is, as you continue on this journey of following Jesus, as you continue on this journey of being one of Jesus' disciples, right, you need to go and make more disciples of all nations, all nations and you need to then baptize them so making a disciple really means that you're you're a con, you're you're making a new convert so to speak like this person that would step into faith in Jesus like that's that first step second step is this place of baptism in the life of the believer and going public with your faith in Jesus and then the the third thing that he talks about is then I need you to teach them all of the things that I have taught you. And see, in, in especially North American Christianity, we sort of flip it around, don't we? we? We overcomplicate it. and We say, well, first, we want to tell you all of the things that you should and shouldn't do, right? And then maybe we'll talk about baptism, and then maybe we'll actually talk about what it means to come to Christ. But one of the things that I know we do is say, hey, you need to clean up your life before you come to Jesus. Because that's what we do. We teach them. And we've missed the other part. We've missed the part of, man, you need to help them understand who Jesus is. You need to, at the very least, just open your mouth and tell them the most wonderful news in all of the world, that God loves you. He loves you so much that He sent His one and only Son to die on a cross for you so that you might have a relationship with your Heavenly Father. The cleaning up someone's life is not your job. That's his job, right? That's his job. Your job, your mission, the thing that you've been left with is as you are going on this journey, make disciples. As you are going on this journey, baptize them. And as you're going on this journey, right, teach them to observe all the things that I've been talking to you about. It's really simple. And you might look at it and you, you know, every, every church has a different model and a different strategy and you might know people and they've really like, they're really strategic in the way that they approach it. And you're, you're probably like me, maybe hopefully a little bit that I, I, I'm not really strategic in some of the things that I do, but, but here's what that means is that's okay. Don't, don't wait for the perfect opportunity. Don't wait for the perfect moment. And don't wait for the perfect plan because if there's anything that I've learned along the way, those don't exist. They don't exist. I wish they did. And sometimes it's just a matter of stepping into it and going, you know what? I'm not going to overcomplicate this. I just want to step into it. And I want to I do what Jesus has told me to do because he has all the authority and this is what he has left us with go with me to the book of acts right so this is one of the other places that you see this great commission and here's what i want you to understand if you're a fill in the blank uh if you're a fill in the blank person here's the the fill in the blank because this is a big deal and it's this the mission is critical the mission is critical don't get distracted right don't get distracted it's like watching that, that um, worldometers.info website. You will sit there and you will get hypnotized by those numbers continuing to change, and you will look at it and look at it and look at it, right? Don't get distracted. Here's what happens, actually, in the book of Acts. before we, th- What's going to show on the screen is verses 8 through 10, but I want to show you what they say, what the disciples say, uh, beginning in verses 6 and 7. And here's why. This is how we get distracted, He says this, so when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. The world throughout history has been distracted on when is Jesus coming back? How many of you thought it was going to be, you know, January 1st, 2000? You remember that? Like the Y2K people? Some of you are laughing because you had a stockpile of goods. Some of them you're still trying to get rid of. <laughs> but that's what we get distracted with. I'm not saying it's not important to, to know kind of what scriptures say about the second coming of christ here's what you do need to know he one is coming back but two you don't know the day the time or the hour so what should you do well you should get busy doing the thing that he last told us to do right when you were a kid growing up and your parents left the house and they gave you some instructions and you went and did whatever it was that you wanted to do until you knew they were about to come home and then what'd you do? Well, you got busy doing the thing that they told you to do, didn't you? Like, that's what it's like. And, and honestly, that's how a lot of us are, are viewing this idea of this Jesus is coming back. But the reality of it is, you don't know the day, time, or the hour. In fact, all the people that lived in the early New Testament age, like, they all thought Jesus was coming back right away. And here we are. A couple of thousand years later, he still hasn't come back, Right? So, what, what do I mean by don't get distracted? Well, d- don't get distracted. Don't, don't get distracted with, with the things that aren't important. Become consumed with the things that are important. Become consumed with saying, I, I want to be about the thing that Jesus told us to do. And, and listen, for every one of us, it might look differently, right? Because none of us is the same. But the reality of it is, if we would all decide, you know what? Jesus told us this right before he left this world. It's probably important. In fact, the word that I used in my statement is it's not just important, it's critical. Because right now there are 3.34 billion people on this planet who have never even heard the name of Jesus. One of the things that's fascinating to me and in the in our discipleship guide that we put together, I've put a few little resources just for you to see. There's a website called thejoshuaproject.net, and it will talk about the unreached people groups in there. And, uh, and you begin to realize that it's not even just around the world. There, there are almost a 100 unreached people groups of people who live right here in the United States of America. So if you're thinking, man, I've got to pack my bags... You might only have to go to New York City, right? But listen, the mission is critical. Don't get distracted. Don't get distracted with the things that are not important. You might get distracted by things that you feel like are urgent, but they're not important. You need to begin to focus in on what's important. And I will tell you this, when you really look through the Gospels, And you really look at the red letters in particular, and you begin to see like these are the words of Jesus, and these are the last things, the last instructions that he gave his followers were go out into all the world. Acts 1 8 says this, right? So 6 and 7, they're getting distracted. He's bringing them back to this point. He's saying, Listen, don't get distracted. He says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem and throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He goes on, after saying these, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. And as they strained to see him rising into the heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. He goes on, men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? <laughs> He told you what to do. He says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. This isn't, this is, listen, this isn't some like man-made power. This isn't like work out more right? This isn't, you know, get on the treadmill and try to run as many miles as you can or put the most weights on the weight bar or the dumbbells or whatever it is. It's not that kind of power that you can produce and manufacture on your own. I will tell you this, that, that power is fleeting. You know that? Like you're in your 20s, you're thinking, man, I'm invincible. You hit 30, you're like, It's not quite what I thought it would be. You hit 40, and then you're 50, and then you're 60, 70, 80, and you're going, man, this is nuts. (laughs) I I can hardly get out of bed in the morning without my body hurting, right? So it's not not a man-made kind of power. This is the kind of power that when the Holy Spirit moves in you, He's going to give you everything you need everything you need you're sitting in a conversation with someone and you don't know what to say Guess who can provide you the words to say? The Holy Spirit. You need wisdom to know what to do, when to do it, all of those things. Guess who will give you that? The Holy Spirit. You want to talk about power. That's what we're talking about. This isn't a power that runs out. It's not like you've got it for the next 40 days and then it's done. It's like this is the power that as the Spirit resides in you, which he does as a follower of Jesus, that is at your disposal every day, every hour, every moment, all the time. It's what he said in Matthew twenty eight. He says, I am with you always. It's what he says in Acts chapter one, verses eight and nine, as he's going into it. He's like, You're going to receive power unlike any that you have ever known in all of your life when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that, then once you receive that power, I want you to go into all the world and I want you to be my, my witnesses. I want you to, I want you to bear testimony. To who I am, I want you to bear testimony to the entire world about the goodness and grace of Jesus. How are you doing with that? Right. You see, it's a critical mission, but so often we're just like the disciples; it just looks different, and we're distracted. Well, Jesus, can you tell me exactly when you're gonna you're gonna come back? Just, I, I just want to know for for point of reference. Just point of reference. Really what we mean by that is I'm just going to kind of do whatever I want to do with my life and then maybe I'll get real busy towards the end of it. Just like we did with our parents. But he tells us, listen, I need you to be my witnesses. And he actually, honestly, you talk about strategy, like he gave us the strategy. He says, hey, I want you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, which is kind of like their home base in Judea and Samaria, a little farther out, kind of to the, to the east and then, uh, or west and then to the north, right? And he's going, I want you to do these things And here. Then, then I want you to go out from here and I want you to go out into all the world. Here's your strategy. You need a strategy. If, you, if you're a strategy person and you're thinking, I need a strategy, I need to know how I'm going to accomplish this thing. Well, there it is. Start at home, go out a little farther and go out a little farther. That's what he's called us to do. If you will be intentional, if Christians around the world would be intentional, I do believe we can actually reach the world for Christ. These last 3.34 billion people that have never heard the name of Jesus, like they deserve, they deserve to hear the name of Jesus. They, they, need, they need to know that there's a God in heaven who loves them, that's crazy about them, that sent his one and only son to give his life for them. So they could be part of God's family. That would be really cool. To be able to hear that. And here's here's what I mean. Go with me last place. Second Peter. Second Peter three. Second Peter three. Here's the statement. The world is waiting. Do something. <laughs> Do something. It, it, you know you, you think about that you think well but 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 i want it to be just right i want it to be just perfect i want it. at the end of the day like just doing something is better than doing nothing i just want to say that doing something is better than doing nothing it's just true right and, and, and in you may not get it right but you know what god's not looking for you to get it right he's not looking for it to be perfect he's looking for you to be obedient and say okay Put me in the game. Put me in the game. Let's do this. I don't have any idea what I'm doing, right? But I'm going to do it. Because I decided. You can decide. Let's just do something, right? Let's just do do something. The world's waiting. And and I would even say it this way in that statement. I was thinking about it this morning. It's not even that the world is waiting. But can I tell you this? Your Heavenly Father is waiting too. And this is what I mean. 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9 says this. You must not forget... This one thing dear friends a day is like a thousand years to the lord and a thousand years is like a day so the lord isn't really slow being slow about his promise as some people think no he is being patient and here's the here's the really interesting thing about this he's being patient not for the world's sake see this is being written to believers so he's being patient For your sake. Why? Because this is the command that he has left us with. This is the mission that he has left us with. So when you talk about reaching the world, right? So he's being patient for your sake. And why is that? Well, this is what's so cool. Because he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. You know what that means? He wants... He wants to see everyone have the opportunity to respond to the gospel. You see, we all know, right? Not everybody's going to say yes to Jesus. We know that. But everyone needs to have the opportunity. And so Peter's writing this and he's saying. the the Lord's not slow as some would count slow, but he's actually being patient with you because the mission is critical and he knows we have a tendency to get distracted, right? Uh, Because the mission is simple and we have a tendency to overcomplicate it. And so Peter tells us he's patient towards you. Because he doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. Another word would be to perish, to use what a lot of us understand in John 3, 16. But he wants everybody to come to repentance. Now here's the interesting thing. I was was looking at that this week, and I'm no Greek scholar at all. But there's this resource called greekbible.com. It's my little life hack, so to speak, for Greek. And the word that he's talking about, like when you read the end of verse 9 and he says, but he wants everyone to repent or everyone to come to repentance. Here's what he's actually means by that in the Greek, is God has left room. God has left room for everyone to come to repentance. God has left room for everyone to be at the family. For everyone to be around the table. He's left room. For the person that you and I look at and we think there's no way, he's left room for them. For the, for the 3.34 billion people in the world who have never heard the name of Jesus, guess what? God's left room for them. For the 7,000 plus unreached people groups, God's left room for them. For those who have named the name of Jesus, they're already there. But for those who have not yet named the name of Jesus and claimed salvation for themselves, guess what? There's room. God's left room. He's left room for them to respond to the gospel. But I mean, how are they going to know? That's what Paul would write in, in Romans chapter 10. How are they going to know unless someone tells them? Unless someone opens their mouth and tells them that God loves them? That God has sent Jesus into the world. How are they going to know? Are they just supposed to guess? No. It's on us. And it's been on the church for the last 2,000 years to take the greatest news in all of the world and share it with the world. And so here's here's my last statement before we sing. And it's this make room for God to move you into the world because God left room for the world. You see, make room, and what I mean by that is like you you make room like God, God's moving, like I you're here for a reason. You showed up here for a reason today to hear this message. You're tuning in today to hear this message. So I'm asking you, like, make room. Like we've talked in the past about as a church being palms up. We're living in surrender to what he is doing and what he is calling us to. So make room for God to move you into the world and whatever that might look like. It might look like you just becoming more intentional wherever you are. It might be more intentional as a student. It might be more intentional in your workplace. It might be more intentional as a boss, as a business owner, as a neighbor, as a golf partner. Whatever it looks like. But it's saying, listen, I don't I don't want to just do these things for my own right pleasure. I want to get to the place where I'm living life with intentionality around the mission that Jesus left us with. So I'm going to make room today for God to move, for for God to invite me, to send me, to push me, to, yes, even throw me out into the world, because God has left room. He's left room for the world to respond. He's left room for the world to become a part of The family, he's left room for the world to join him around the table. That's a good place to be. And there's a world that needs to hear the greatest news that all of us here already know. So make room for God to move you into the world because God left room for the world in his family. I'd like to pray for you. I'm going to ask you to stand. And we're going to sing this, kind of a new song, and it's called Make Room. You might have heard it. If you're somebody who's listening to worship stuff out there, then you might have heard this song before. It's a great song. It's a great way for us to just finish our time together. Can I pray for us? Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word, the glory of the gospel. Lord, how you have loved us so passionately, and I pray right now that you would move us every one of us that you would move us into the world that we we would we would understand the mission it's critical it's simple and you're patient and the world is waiting so father i do pray move us into the world to do something it doesn't have to be the perfect thing it doesn't have to be the perfect place it doesn't have to be perfect timing But it's something as an act of obedience to say, here it is, Lord. I I don't know what else to do, but I am just giving it to you to see what you would do with it. So, Father, I pray that you would move in our hearts, convict us, challenge us, and send us. And whatever that looks like in our lives. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.